Assalamu alaikum and peace be unto you. Welcome to yet another edition of the Mississippi on the Move podcast. I am your brother Abdul Shahid Muhammad, and we are broadcasting live in Senatobia, Mississippi, at the sixth annual Building Power Summit of the Black Liberation Movement. Please allow me to begin in the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful. We bear witness to the oneness of God, regardless to land, label, or language that we apply. We bear witness to the oneness of the messages that were revealed through his prophets, messengers, and warners. 
We thank Almighty God for all of them. Please allow me to greet you in the greeting words of peace in the language of all of the prophets. Yes, including Jesus, too. The scholars know he didn't speak English. He would say, Assalamu alaikum. That simply means may peace be unto you. We're getting started here. I'm flying solo so far. Hopefully my brother and my cohort, Kenneth Muhammad, will make it here at some point in the day. But we uh, want to get some commentary from brothers and sisters that have attended this sixth annual uh, Building Power Summit here in Senatobia, Mississippi. But before we get started, we'd like to lay some ground rules. And our ground rules manifest themselves in the form of our axioms or our guiding principles that should undergird our conversations. And we use the following. We use two from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. We use one from our brother Carter G. Woodson, and we use a quote that Dr. King used. The first one is from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, wherein he says, he who gives you the diameter of your knowledge prescribes for you the circumference of your activity. Well, our enemies have been given us the diameter of our knowledge, and that's why they have always been able to prescribe the circumference of our activity. So here in Mississippi, the diameter of knowledge that was given today is well beyond what the enemy has given us. So we have brothers and sisters that are acting outside of the diameter or the circumference of activity that have, they've prescribed for us. The second axiom comes from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan when he defined a slave. He said, a slave is one whose power and authority is ruled over by another and whose sphere of freedom is limited according to the wishes of his master. Mm. So we're trying to get power, so that means somebody else has power over us. Third axiom is from our great brother, Carter G. Woodson, in his seminal work, The Miseducation of the Negro, wherein he wrote, when you control a man's thinking, you do not have to worry about his actions. You do not have to tell him to go here or yonder. He will find his proper place and will stay in it. You do not have to send him to the back door. He will go without being told. In fact, if there's not a back door, he will cut one for his special benefit. His education makes it necessary. So that's why, brothers and sisters, we need to be, as the most honorable Elijah Muhammad said, completely re-educated because the condition that most of us are in now, we are unfit for our own selves. And lastly, a quote that Dr. King quoted from a man named Victor Hugo in his message, Crisis in American Cities, in the wake of the riots that took place in 68, Dr. King quoted Mr. Hugo who said, if the soul is left in darkness, sins will be committed. The guilty one is not he who commits the sin, but he who causes the darkness. One of our poetic brothers named Tupac Shakur once said, I was given this world, I didn't make it. So when he got here, madness was already going on and it was already dark. So those are our axioms that undergird our conversation. We want to send some shouts out real quick to those of you who have tuned in, those who are listening, our regular audience, brothers and sisters, thank you for your support of this podcast. And we're going to keep on, keep on, keeping on. Oh, I see y'all. Y'all go, greetings, fam. Y'all are on. Okay, okay. So we're going to get moving. We have at the table with us our dear brother and friend who is a third of the brainchild of this podcast, the title of it, Mississippi on the Move, the chairman and CEO and director of the Black Liberation Movement, 
our brother and friend, Patrick Lumumba Alexander. Brother Patrick, how you doing, man? Oh, man, I'm doing spectabulous, brother. I'm doing spectabulous. Yes, sir, man. Thank I'm so you. glad to have you. All right, yeah. So I'm glad to have you, brother. Oh, man. So, and uh, uh, my brother. Akil Parker. That's right, brother. Akil Parker, we also have him here at the table uh, with us today, broadcasting live. And what we're wanting to do, family, is get some reflections on uh, the uh, today's events that unfolded here in Senatobia, Mississippi, with this sixth annual Building Power Summit. So we want to get some reflections and some commentary on today's events as they have unfolded. We have two very capable men who can clearly articulate the agenda the aim and the purpose and the focus of this Building Power Summit. So, Brother Patrick, give us some insight, man. What, what, what happened today? Uh, well, Brother uh, Abdul, like I said, again, I thank you for coming out and making sure that we get uh, the uh, ongoings and happenings of the 6th Annual Black Liberation Movement Building Power Summit uh, to the people and to the audience that uh, you command. And we, uh, we have gotten midstream. We have one more day left to this uh, annual event that we have every year for the last six years. And uh, we've been having a joyous time, man. We've been uh, conducting uh, very informative uh, presentations. We've been doing a lot of uh, corresponding and conversation about the things that matter in the black community. So uh, we got some very capable people uh, that have come down and uh, descended upon Mississippi and began to uh, articulate and basically show us you know, a liberation aspect, you know, to the reality of black liberation. Yes, sir. Praises be to Allah. And glory be to God, some of us say. So, brother, this this summit, and I have attended, I remember the first one I walked in on, brother, I was just, I mean, I was elated to see the cadre of people that you had here, the brothers and sisters that were here. It was very lively. It was very informative. And, and in, of all places, Mississippi. That's right. Which is perhaps, uh, I would dare to say, is the most unlikely place that you would find such activity as I saw at the time. Mm -hmm. And particularly every time that I have come, brother, the conversation, the information that's shared, and it helps me to understand better why I see what I see so far in Mississippi, all the way up to what's happening in Jackson, Mississippi right now with this water crisis. Right. And because Mississippi, as you alluded to, and you made me to go and look, is 40% black. Mm. I'm like, whoa. Yes, and sir. a lot of the townships That's right. down here, brother, are black run and black controlled. That's Our right. people just have to arrive at a level of consciousness whereby we seize the helm. Right. And we dictate, I shouldn't say dictate, but we determine, right. you know, our life outcomes and That's what right. they will be for our children going forward. So, brother, in the summer, what are some of the workshops and the presentations uh, that you all have had today? Well, what we've been doing, uh, brother Abdul, we've been trying to hit what we call the areas of battle. Mm -hmm. You know, people activity, battle, and concern, as laid out by uh, our social scientist brother, brother Neely Fuller. Mm -hmm. uh, he said it is nine areas of battle that we should be dealing with. You know that we should take absolutely seriously, you know, in the causation of uh, reviving our people and creating a liberation aspect for our people. So we've been trying to hit areas of uh, politics. You know, we've been delving into some economics 
and we've been heavily dealing with the area of education today, as my brother uh, Akil Parker said here, uh, and so finally uh, presented today on the area of mathematics and history. Mm -hmm. So when we convene this event, we want to make sure that we bring the critical conversation in those areas, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Because we don't get the opportunity to have these conversations in none of our uh, so-called organized places like our churches, even in our homes, in our schools, we don't have that critical conversation that we need as it pertains to black people and the suffering that we endured and what it's going to take for us to climb our way out of this thing. Yes, sir. Listen, man, I want to bring our brother, Brother Akil Parker in here. I don't want him sitting over there looking at us and listening to us because I'm sure he has some valuable input to this conversation. Brother Akil, man, what's your thoughts and sentiment and express uh, what you saw today? and uh, uh, where we should go or where this should go moving forward. Well, you know, similar to last year, last year was my first time attending the conference, and first time attending the conference, and, you know, I saw a lot of, you know, grassroots movement, a lot of conversations about grassroots work that's already being done and grassroots work that will continue to be done going forward, especially, you know, with this conference, you know, working uh, that needs to be done in Jackson, Mississippi, but not only the work that needs to be done in Jackson, Mississippi, but some explanation as to how things got to be the way they are right now, mm -hmm. which was very telling and, you know, very informative for me because I always, you know, like a lot of people, we wonder like, well, now we're hearing about this, but I know it didn't happen overnight. And exactly. there's some long lasting, you know, uh, political implications and some, some actions that, you know, either took place 30 years ago or some actions that did not take place 30 years ago mm -hmm. that allowed us to get to this point that we're in. So. Um, there was a lot of conversations like surrounding that, and you know, I, tr I also presented myself, you know, because what I do is, you know, I'm trying to proselytize and kind of evangelize mathematics, mm -hmm. you know, for our people and really rebrand it as not just some subject to try to avoid as a student um, because you might hate math or math might make you uncomfortable, but mm -hmm. you know, see it as a viable tool, you know, for defense in mm -hmm. order and also to be able to understand the world around us better so that we can use it to protect ourselves from those that are trying to oppress us or harm us and mm -hmm. to use it to be able to solve our problems, mm -hmm. so. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, brother, and, and I would agree with that 1,000% because mathematics, mathematics uh, is one of the building, or arithmetic as some like to call, is one of the building disciplines. Mm -hmm. Without mathematics and the sciences that are building sciences, you cannot build a civilization. And in fact, mathematics is the foundational principle that's absolutely needed. And to the degree that our children and we as a people are illiterate with regard to mathematics, to that same degree we are ill-equipped to take control of our own destiny. We have a saying among us as Muslims that Islam is mathematics and mathematics is Islam mm. because the misnomer is that Islam is a religion. <laughs> it's not a religion. It's, it's actually a mathematical way by which the human being lives. We are a mathematical creation. So, brother, I can certainly relate to that. We're going to get some sisters in here, too. So don't be sitting over there looking like you're just going to be. I'm talking about our dear sister, Krista Denise. She's on the scene as well. She thinks she's just going to sit over here, Brother Kenneth, who has also arrived. Both of them think they're going to sit and just, uh, nah, nah. We're going to tag team up in here, and we're going to get everybody involved in the conversation because, in my estimation, we have some great minds. Mm -hmm. We have some great minds 
uh, at this table, and I want our audience to get the benefit of the thinking of these brothers and sisters because I sincerely believe that we have some serious people at this table. But I'm going to back out real quick because I want to get our commercial uh, announcements in, brothers, and I want to kind of you know, kind of reposition because we got some, some more elements uh, that's joining the conversation, and I want to make sure that they get in. So we're going to pull out. Brothers and sisters, you're listening live from Senatobia, Mississippi. Mississippi is on the move. We have live brother Akil Parker. Also, our brother, Brother Patrick Lumumba Alexander. We have my partner, my dear partner in righteousness, Brother Kenneth Muhammad. And Sister Denise is on the scene. We'll be right back. I come in peace. I don't mean you no harm. alaykum. I come in peace. I don't mean you know, I don't mean you know. See, I come in peace, and nobody I am hurting, except my enemies, but for my brothers, I am working, cause the powers that be wanna see this while they're lurking. We're both making our peace, but different food we are serving. See, mine is for the four, and it's Worldwide, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Download the Final Call Radio app and take us everywhere. On your phone, on your computer, on your tablet, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also log on to FinalCall.com and click the Listen Live button. Or FinalCallRadio.com. Final Call, Final Call Radio. The official voice of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. What's your source for truth in news reports? No justice! No peace! No justice! No peace! Where do you turn for non-corporate-driven news that's fair and balanced? Subscribe to The Final Call News, your number one free and independent news source that delivers hard-hitting national and international news coverage of today's political, economic, and social issues. To subscribe to local home delivery, call us at area code 662-252-8999. That's 662-252-8999. Visit our website at www.finalcall.com. The Urban Indulgence Bath and Body Boutique. At Urban Indulgence, we pride ourselves on offering quality, effective skin care. Handcrafted with plant-based, skin-loving ingredients, our soaps and body butters will give you luxurious lather and ultimate moisture. Experience the Urban Indulgence at 3314 Poplar Avenue in Memphis, three blocks west of Poplar Plaza, or shop with us online at theurbanindulgence.com. Theurbanindulgence.com. Senatobia, Mississippi, at the sixth annual Black Liberation Building Power Summit. I am your brother Abdul Shaheed Muhammad, along with my brother Kenneth Muhammad, who is on the scene. We have before us our brother, the CEO and commander, and the leadership of the Black Liberation Movement, our brother and friend Patrick Lumumba Alexander. We also have with us 
Brother Akil Parker, and we have Sister Crystal Denise, and we also have in the house now our brother and friend Nick Bezel. Hopefully he'll have some words to share uh, with us this evening. Brother Patrick, this water situation in Jackson, Mississippi is certainly not new. Um, many administrations, as I understand it, have uh, talked about this uh, before and have made demands to the state with regard to allocating resources to address a problem that's over 30 years old. So brother, what's, what's your insight on that? Yeah, well, most definitely, thank you for giving me the opportunity to expound on this uh, a bit because what Jackson is suffering from, the understanding that I'm gleaming is that uh, a problem of structural racism, infrastructural racism, environmental racism, and political racism, you know, on all levels. They're suffering the uh, political, political racism from the state level and also suffering that political racism from the federal level, which is working in cahoots and in conjunction against a black metropolis uh, city that's led with a, with a black leadership. So we have to be uh, keenly aware of uh, what's going on in our black cities. We're not even talking, we're not talking about a black township, we're talking about a black metropolis. You yes, know, sir. we're talking about a black, uh, uh, a metropolitan area that's led by black people that want to be put into a state of embarrassment, you know, a state of frustration and irritation, you know, under the leadership of our great ancestor, uh, Brother Chuck Wade Lumumba's son, uh, Brother Anton Lumumba. So uh, we got to be uh, critical in our assessment of what's going on with Jackson, you know, in this hour so that we won't get uh, sidetracked with frivolous thoughts, uh, 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 gibberish that we uh, create in these situations and not understanding the critical matters. So yes. what we wanted to do, you know, here with the summit is this year dedicate a critical part of our effort this summer, summit to help the situation in Jackson by uh, taking a manned humanitarian mission to Jackson uh, at the end of the summit tomorrow to uh, accommodate some of the egregiousness that we're suffering down there in our communities down in Jackson. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I heard you mentioning, brother, that Nassau, uh, water going out of here as we are sitting here live with this broadcast. I saw the cases of water going out and uh, a boots on the ground approach is being taken to the problem. And, and that is what we need because, brother, as I see it, as I see it, and we've had two programs uh, on uh, this issue of the uh, Jackson, Mississippi water crisis. And in comparing notes uh, as it relates to how it is being reported, the reporting is very, very slanted. The language of Governor Tate Reeves is a finger-pointing type language in that he uses, uh, uh, and I'm not exactly quoting, but he said the city of Jackson has failed to provide water services to his residents. Right, right. See, we, we know that language. We know that language. And what he's actually saying is Chokwe Lumumba and his administration is essentially incompetent and cannot and are not up to the task. Not up to the task. Joining us now is our, our, our co-host, I guess I'll use that language today, our brother and friend, Brother Kenneth. How you doing today, sir? We're doing fine, brother. Doing fine. Thankful to be here among such great minds and great spirit. Anytime I can get together with my brother, Patrick Lumumba, and Sister Crystal Denise, it's a good day. Yes, sir. Praises be to Allah. Well, family, uh, we're going to get deeper into this in the sense that 
Uh, this water crisis is probably the top topic. Yes, we're here uh, to cover and to get afterthoughts as it relates to the sixth annual um, Building Power Summit. But in the face of what's happening in Jackson, Mississippi, because right now, Brother Patrick, they're given the impression that all is well. You know, they fixed the problem and now they're getting water. And this tends to have the kind of effect that it lulls many of our people back into a state of suspended consciousness. Because as I understand it, Governor Tate Reeves have been trying to privatize that, uh, that water treatment facility there in Jackson for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And as one of their government administrators shared with me, he said, brother, you think about it. He said, the number one revenue generator in any municipality is water. Because everybody got a water bill. So, and because Mississippi's law is, uh, Mississippi state law is, municipalities cannot self-tax. So they know they can't generate the revenue to fix it. So they're totally dependent on the state mm. to get the monies to address the problem. Mm. So now, if they can get it privatized, then who controls it now? Exactly. And who gets the exactly. lion's share of the revenue? Have you heard th that? And to yes, what degree yeah, have you heard yeah, it, brother? Yes, sir. I, I have heard that. But you stated something that's very, uh, we, we should put a, a, a pin in it right there. When you said that Tate Reeves said that Jackson has failed. Mm -hmm. That's a very arrogant statement coming from the governor of the state. Yes, sir. When you say that your capital has failed and you don't expect no retribution behind that, that's a very arrogant statement because if the capital has failed, have not the state failed? Mm -hmm. Aren't you the governor? So who's pointing the finger back at Tate Reeve and saying, how did you allow Jackson to fail? But where's the capital city in uh, Mississippi? Jackson? It's Jackson. So that means that the seat of government is where? In Jackson. <laughs> so if the seat of government is point. in Jackson, and you saying that Jackson has failed, what are you actually saying? Exactly. Mm. See, exactly. We, have to, we have to start, you know, we have to speak critical thinkers now. That's mm -hmm. right. And again, when it was talking, it was the number one propaganda tool in the war against black people. And make no mistake about it, this is a vehicle of war. That's right. See, when you when you practicing genocide on a people, you know you poison their food, you poison their water. It all get the same results. Mm -hmm. And now they engage in this particular warfare, and now we're moving unsuspectingly because we we're taking all our information from CNN, taking all our information from the local news, and we don't have any independent news sources because with all of these different humanitarian efforts, I've known several people who have personally took truckloads mm -hmm. of water and goods down to Jackson. Never seen anything. Mm, not one word, in, one word in print. Mm -hmm. so right. on, on the nightly news, they, and they have seemed like they got this coded language. They used the word fail, let, let down. Right. How could a government that is uh, all black in a city that is 85% black fail in such a matter? <laughs> and you didn't go to a commercial. That's, That's how right. they do, brother. That's right. That's and see, right. what, the, what the stratagem is, is to, to destroy in our people any faith That's right. or confidence in black leadership. That's, That's right. That has always and will always be the goal, is to try to paint with a broad brush any of us who lead in such a way that, you know, they can't handle, they're not up to the task. 
And unfortunately, we as black people become our own worst critics. And, and nothing wrong with critiquing. We need people that are not yes men. We need people that can analyze you know, what we're doing in our stratagems in a constructive way. There's something called constructive criticism. But the criticism that comes from most of our people as it relates to black leadership, particularly black leadership that is competent and that is struggling for what is right. I'm not talking about your run-of-the-mill brother and sister that has postured themselves as our leaders that have really been appointed to us by the very people that we're trying to get away from as it relates to their inordinate control of our affairs and our community issues. So, I mean, that's, that's the long and the short of it. That's why they're using that language. No doubt. They want to tear down the faith of our brother and sister. That's right. Brother, anything else as it relates to, to this issue? And I know this on the top of your head, you wanted to, to get into this water crisis. Yeah. So, you know, one, you know, one last thing, you're right. You know, they want to frustrate and irritate you know, the back the black constituency right down there in Jackson. They you know, I watched Chuck Way when he made his first uh, initial address concerning the water, mm-hmm. uh, when the water crisis was uh uh, uh emer- had had emerged. And I watched the comments. I watched the comments that were flowing in at a rapid pace. And it, 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 it and, and I and I'm one that try to focus on what's being said as opposed to the comments. But I got to admit that the comments that were being made were distracting me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, and, 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 and the white vitriol, you know, the common white person, and then the follow-up language that black people were gleaming because of the vitriol and the irritation of, of, of white people and what they were trying to do to basically embarrass the leadership of Jackson, we follow suit with that. You know, mm-hmm. expressing frustration and irritation. But, uh, you know, Tay Reeves, you know, set this tone of, 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 of Jackson being a city that has failed. At the same time, giving state welfare money to Brett Favre. You understand what I'm saying? That's what uh, I was going to get at, next. At the, at the same time, misappropriating funds in Mississippi and corroborating with, you know, uh, his white constituency at the same time. But, you know, to expect for no finger of... of um, blame to be pointing back at him. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the arrogance of these, uh, these white supremacists that, that govern our state, you know. Don't yes, nobody sir. point a, a finger back at them. Now, this, this thing, this thing with uh, this misappropriation of welfare fund, funds, I caught that story on CNN, and it involves the former governor, Phil Bryant, is his name correct? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and him and one uh, NFL Hall of Famer named Brett Favre. That's right. And I pulled some stories. I got them. I was about to pull them up. What they say happened mm-hmm. versus what the Attorney General of Mississippi has uncovered. And it's to the tune of $77 million, brother, mm-hmm. according to what I have read. And they said it is the largest fraud of welfare in the state's history. Mm. Now, here's some people that are already essentially millionaires, multi-millionaires. And you mean tell me they can steal poor people's money, money that's earmarked for poor people, you know, to just help them with the very, very basics that most of us take for granted. They saw fit, that's right. you know, to take those funds and reallocate them to build some, some, some facility. I think it has something to do with volleyball or something like that. Mm. But 
the whole time that the, the, the whistle was being blown on this, the people that were blowing the whistle were called liars and, you know, all of this kind of thing. Now, if this is happening at the highest echelon of government in the state, what's happening with the water crisis? Mm-hmm. If this is their mindset with, re- with regard to that, which is earmarked for the poor, then what is their state of mind as it relates to this, this issue of water? Mm-hmm. I mean, when I read it, the number that they was quoting the people that did the audit, they audited about $98 million. Woo. And they said they, out of $4 million, only $4 million of it could they legitimately say was used properly. So you got $94 million that's just floating around out there that's unaccounted for. And it's always the same thing. You get a contract or you in government, you give a contract to one of your friends or relatives, and then you use the public funds in the state that was supposed to go to poor people to fund your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. They was uh, pointing out the number of uh, luxury vehicles, trips, mm-hmm. payments for houses, all of these quote unquote nonprofits that never did anything. Uh, there was speaking engagements. That's right. You know, for Brett Favre. Now I don't know what he was going to say that was going to help the welfare of anybody. But the speaking engagement that he got paid for up front mm-hmm. that he never, never, never even uh, went to. Yeah. And, and this, this stuff was going on. I mean, it was, they were real casual about it. So, uh, again, you get just a blip on the uh, CNN, maybe the, you know, the little ticker tape on the bottom, and mm-hmm. then they roll on. So, again, having our own voices. Telling yes, our own stories, you know, this is the time that for us to start thinking like independent, free people. Yes, sir. And that is the, the aim and purpose of this podcast, brothers and sisters. This podcast, we control. We fund it, we control it. We start it when we get ready, we stop it when we get ready. We have on here who we want on here, and we're not here to play and, and, and finger point and all of this silliness that often happens on these kinds of platforms. This platform, with the help of Almighty God a lot, will be a serious platform for serious discussion, not just to uh, talk about problems, but to talk about solutions to problems, which is why we're here today. Brother Lumumba, thank you, brother. We're going to get uh, a brother in here. This is Coach, Coach Obasi. He is a social worker in Jackson, Mississippi. Okay, he's a social worker in Jackson, Mississippi, and has a, a view of this issue of the, the welfare piece, uh, dealing with the misappropriation of those funds. Brother Obasi, am I I'm pronouncing that correct? You are good. Absolutely right. You're actually pronouncing it. It's Obasi. Yes, sir. Last name's uh, Delhi, but we're just going to call me Coach. Coach. You can call me Coach. Oh, Coach Obasi, mm-hmm. those will work. Yes, sir. Brother, if you would, share with us uh, uh, what insights or what information that you can share with our listening audience with regard to what has been characterized by mainstream media is the largest fraud or misappropriation of funds, however they're, well, I heard, I heard the word fraud, in the history of the state of Mississippi. Well, actually, I'm going to say it this way. It's the, it's the most... Um, televised in uh, fraud because it's been actually noted that we've been getting fraud black community for a long time but now that it's been a national national cry for people to see 
that the atrocity is affecting in the Jackson area. And then also you look at the zip codes. I always go to the zip codes. You know, in Jackson, Hines County, you got the zip code 39203. You don't know that that's in the hood. That's, that's mm-hmm. in areas where people are, are most dis- disadvantaged and they need the most help. However, when you look at the area code 39201, the, when the water crisis hit in Jackson, those areas were taken care of immediately. And I'm not talking about something that I theorized about. I'm talking about something that I actually dealt with. When you're mm. dealing with, you know, when the National Guard came in to help out, they were helping out people, but they, was help, they didn't have the empathetic lens that a social worker would have. Mm-hmm. They were looking at people like, well, we're giving you this water, but you're stealing it from us. We're giving mm-hmm. you this water, but you come to this water line too many times. We're giving you this water, but we can only give you one case of water. Yes, so sir. they was rationalizing it to a point where it was very difficult. So what we had to do is address the actually get the, address the situation where seniors can come out. And we they the, the ones that couldn't come out to get the water, we had to make and get trucks and cars and vans and of our own. Mm-hmm. And, and go out there and get the water to them and get the water, pick it up, then deliver it to them. Yes, sir. So the delivery system was not organized. Mm-hmm. And what's happening now, thank God for a lady named Felicia Tripp. Um, she's working with the city and other organizations to make sure that we have the logistics okay, okay. as far as giving the water out. And um, also, I want to give some props out to New Horizon Church because mm-hmm. um, with Pastor Ron and Crudum and, his, and those, those, those guys, they really doing a good job of getting the water out and also having one area of housing the water in the actual warehouse Beautiful. where you have nice. a um, forklift that can lift the water out. They have different donation trucks coming from all over the United States. They're bringing the water. Right. But what they're doing is that they're not just hoarding the water. They're giving the water out every day. Mm-hmm. And then they have a systematic system, systematic plan where they're going out to the senior homes and giving the water out as well. So mm-hmm. lots of times people don't understand that this water crisis started way, way, way back yes. in 60, uh, 1967 mm-hmm. with our mayors. And it started and it, and it accumulated back in 1988 uh, with our mayors. Wow. Then after 1980, uh, 1988, it started all over again, got worse when um, Harvey Johnson went out of office. Mm-hmm. When Harvey Johnson went out of office, it just got where they put it on the back burner. Wow. And so now you have a young mayor, Antar Chukwe Lumumba, in the office, and he's being um, um, victimized this way to make, making people think that he's doing something wrong or mm-hmm. he's um, not taking care of the city like he's supposed to be. That was a problem that was inherited. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, he didn't have people working with him. So what we're doing in Jackson, we have several organizations, like a local organizing committee of Jackson. Yes. Um, Mr. Brother Officer, Kareem. Brother Kareem. Mm-hmm. Muhammad. Also, you have... Organizations like the Jackson Association of Black Social Workers. Mm-hmm. You have um, Mississippi Move with mm-hmm. Mac Epps. You have um, or NAACP. You have mm-hmm. all these organizations coming together and we're collaborating. And what we're not just doing, we're not just going and giving our people water. Mm-hmm. We're also doing a, what we call a financial needs analysis or a psychological assessment on these people when we actually go to the homes of, mm-hmm. the, of the elders to see what's going on. We, in social work, we call this a welfare uh, wellness check. Mm-hmm. So we're just looking at the welfare of the, ch- of the people that's there, and we was, it was an atrocity. About three weeks or three or four weeks ago, mm-hmm. we went into a senior um, home, which I'm not going to name the, the home, but we went into the home to actually give water, and 
brother, it was it was amazing. The stench was so so horrible. Yeah. Just walking down the hall. So we had to send some of the brothers to the store to get some Clorox and some Pinol, and we went in there and we cleaned up first. Mm-hmm. Then we gave them water. And so one thing about this water crisis that's going on, Jackson, the, when the, when the people are out of water for two weeks, and they say, well, how's that? Because what the city had to do, they had to take and cut off the water in certain areas of the city. Mm-hmm. That's been going on. For, oh, that's been going on over two months. Yes, sir. And so when they cut the water off for like five days, then these people have to go out and get water. Mm-hmm. They have to get water to flush toilets and everything. And then, uh, what what if they don't? What if it's elderly that don't have nobody to bring that to them? And so that's what we had to deal with. And so once the 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 um, the, the state declared emergency, the governor declared an emergency. The school system shut down, and that's what happened. That's why everything went national. Mm. When JPS Jackson School District um, shut down. That's the largest schools, um, public school district mm-hmm. in the state of okay. Mississippi. Yeah. Once that shut down, everybody's eyes were open. Now, the, 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 the funny thing about it is, though, that the private schools in Jackson didn't shut down, though. Really? No. Could you elaborate further on that, brother? Well, see, the <laughs> private schools have a whole different system. They have a whole different a whole water different system? system? It's two water systems in Jackson. It's two water mains in Jackson. So the one that broke down was the one that was 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 broke down. That was the one that 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 um that is that, that serviced the majority of Jackson on the west side. Mm-hmm. And then the one that was still up, that's the one that's near Ridgely. And that one services that's that the service is that service most of the the, the residents in three nine two oh one. And that's so predominantly populated by what ethnicity? White and blacks they got money. White and blacks, they got money. What's the <laughs> ratio of whites and blacks that live there? Oh, it's um, actually, I would say it's 50-50. It's about 50-50? It's about 50-50 now because what mm-hmm. more, more, of your, more of your blacks that, that got a little money and more successful, they are, they are starting to move into those gated communities yes, sir. or go into those communities where, where they, quote, feel safe. Okay. And, um, um, and when they go into those communities, you know, they're gonna, the city going to look out for them first because those are the dignitaries. Those are the people that are really the, the engine to the city. Right. Know, because thinking back, is in, for, for instance, you, most of South Jackson mm-hmm. is, is, is you have renters in South Jackson, okay? Yes, sir. And majority of the people that own South Jackson are white folks. Wow. So when, 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 when you look at the election and you look at the politician, the politician ain't trying to go South Jackson. He ain't trying to um, get white folks, um, black folks. He don't care about them. Mm. He care about the people who own the property because they can vote, right. and they 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 can vote, and also they can determine the tax base and things of that nature. So wow. there's a lot of different miseducation that we have that's going on, mm-hmm. and so what we're doing now is we're calling out for all social workers, any social worker or teachers or psychologists, they can join our group, Jackson Association of Black Social Workers, and we're going to be doing activity on the front line. Mm-hmm. And that means that we are professionals, but we have to have. We can't just be professionals. We got to be what they call paraprofessionals. Mm-hmm. When you paraprofessional, you are taking and making sure that you take care of everything that has to do with your job that the agency gives you. Mm-hmm. But your people are first. Yes, sir. And that's the concept. That's the mindset. Mm-hmm. You have a people first mindset. Yes. Even it seems like. Go ahead. Seems like, I'm sorry, brother. Go ahead, but go, go ahead, it brother. seems like everybody have that mindset, but us. Well, a lot you of times, a lot of times we, we, we don't have a mindset to save ourselves. We want to save those around us because we've gotten to the point where we allowed our minds to just wander. And a lot of, a lot of times our minds wander because we're constantly killing ourselves 
what we call the eyes, I-D-E. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's homicide and it's menticide, those are the main two ways that black folks are killing themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, as me being in, in, the, in, the, in the social work field, I deal with a lot of menticide. And mm-hmm. menticide uh, was a, current, a term coined by Dr. Bobby Wright. Mm-hmm. And um, it means mental suicide. Mm-hmm. And so when you're killing yourself mentally, then you automatically think that a situation is bad is good for you. Mm-hmm. And so okay. we had to actually have a couple of town hall meetings. Thank, thank God for Councilman Kenny Stokes. I want to go ahead and put that out there. Counter Councilman Kenny Stokes yes, is doing a, he does an awesome job. And what he's doing, he's having town hall meetings where he have people like myself come in who are professionals and other paraprofessionals. Actually, he's having retired school teachers to come in. He's having retired chemists to come in and educate the people about the dangers of the water. Mm-hmm. That water was so bad that the water was getting clouded. Even if you boiled the water, after you boiled it, it was clouded. Wow. wow. So, you know, Man. there's a lot of things going on with that water crisis, and we want to make sure that we continue to educate the community about that. Don't yes, don't drink the water. Don't bathe in the water. Yes, sir. Because the pe- children going to get sick. Mm. And, brother, you know, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan has pointed out to us that that is one of the means by which they kill us. Mm-hmm. Because anytime you know that you had an issue with the infrastructure of a water purification system since 1967, you just said. Uh-huh. That's a 55-year-old problem. And you know about it, and you have the resources to rectify the problem, and you have another means by which people are receiving water in the near vicinity that they don't have their problem. So what is your motive for not fixing it? To me, clearly, you want those who are on that particular water system to suffer and even die before you would even give them the aid that they need. My brother, look, man, I thank you for sitting down and giving clarity. We're going to shift gears here. We're going to get some more people in. We're going to break away for a minute one more time, brothers and sisters, so we can get uh, the next group of brothers and sisters in here at these microphones. We want them to share uh, what they have gathered or gained from this weekend's Building Power Summit with the Black Liberation Movement. Brothers and sisters, we will be, hold on, hold on, what's going on here? Okay, now, now that's not what I'm trying to do. Excuse me. There we go. Here we go. This is what I need. Okay. Brothers and sisters, we'll be right back in a very, very few moments. It's 20 past 12. Chilling in the studio. Taking over the world. Walaikum salam I come in peace I don't mean you no harm Assalamu alaikum Walaikum salam I come in peace I don't mean you no harm I don't mean you no See I come in peace Ain't nobody I am hurting Except my enemies But for my brothers I am working Cause the power that What's your source for truth in news reports? No justice, no peace! No justice, no peace! Where do you turn for non-corporate driven news that's fair and balanced? Subscribe to the Final Call News, your number one free and independent news source that delivers hard-hitting national and international news coverage of today's political, economic, and social issues. 
to subscribe to Local Home Delivery, call us at area code 662-252-8999. That's 662-252-8999. Visit our website at www.finalcall.com. Worldwide, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Download the Final Call radio app and take us everywhere. On your phone, on your computer, on your tablet, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also log on to FinalCall.com and click the Listen Live button. Or FinalCallRadio.com. Final Call, Final Call Radio. The official voice of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. The Urban Indulgence Bath and Body Boutique. At Urban Indulgence, we pride ourselves on offering quality, effective skin care. Handcrafted with plant-based, skin-loving ingredients, our soaps and body butters will give you luxurious lather and ultimate moisture. Experience the Urban Indulgence at 3314 Poplar Avenue in Memphis, three blocks west of Poplar Plaza, or shop with us online at theurbanindulgence.com. Theurbanindulgence.com. And you're just for the court, doing chores for the pork. We're both under pressure, getting burnt by this 33rd degree. So why on earth you wanna smoke me? It's your brother who's broke. It's your brother who's dying. It's your brother who you poke. Stick him up. And we are back live here at the Black Liberation Movement Building Power Summit. Number six, we are in Senatobia, Mississippi. We've shifted gears, brothers and sisters, and we got a couple more voices at the table who are attendees and organizers of today's event. We have the youth at the table and we have the brains at the table. Those who are uh, our sister who is fashioning the young minds of the future that they may not or will not be subjected to the mental chains that many of us grew up with. These babies' minds are being freed on the front end. Please welcome to the Mississippi on the Move podcast our sister Crystal Denise and our brother soldier Achilles. So we're going to go ladies first, brother. You know that, right? Oh, yes, sir. Okay, yes, that's sir. what I yes, thought. That's what I Sister Crystal, Sister Crystal, let's welcome them to the podcast and give a hand to everybody that's been on this spot. So we got to save the applause for the queen, brother. We got to save the applause for the queen. Sister Crystal, Sister Crystal, give us a review of today's events. I saw a lot of children here, so share, share your thoughts with us about today's events. Greetings. Today was a very powerful session. Um, the children, uh, the scholars of mm -hmm. Ashe Academy, man, I don't even know how to begin to speak about them and what they bring, the energy they bring every time we have an event. Uh, their attention, their care, their love, their willingness to learn and grow, and they are just wonderful. Um, mm -hmm. We have created a family atmosphere as part of our, what we do. We want to mm -hmm. get us back to the village mentality. Yes, ma'am. You know, where we take care of one another, and it, it shows anytime you see us together, you're going to see that village mentality. Yes, ma'am. But today, um, just being inspired, because you know, the work is hard the work, work is frustrating mm -hmm. but it's also rewarding yes, um, and today is one of those days that we were rewarded with the attendance people coming through showing love um, the presentations were powerful you know yeah. brother Keel is on the show uh, I always enjoy his systematics mm -hmm. uh, presentations and glean from him mm -hmm. and I'm so honored and thrilled that he is a part of what we're doing at Ashe Academy yes ma'am um, and then we had you know Bob Kamal, Kareem, 
speak to us, get us, get us fired up <laughs> about yes, what it is that we need to be doing. And so, you know, just for people throughout the day, asking questions, being engaged, being energized, and that's what the Building Power Summit is about, mm-hmm. connecting us and challenging, challenging us to do the work, get the work done, and then having our scholars running around, mm-hmm. um, just being part of it, that's the inspiration. You know, yes, we have to begin investing in teaching them so that mm-hmm. they can define and create a reality yes, for our survival. You know, Sister Crystal, I really don't think we give due estimation to the importance of what you do as it relates to offering alternative. And I shouldn't call it alternative. It's really not an alternative. It's the original education that really our children need, whereby they see themselves in the grand scheme of things in the educational process. Because we live in a time where culture, the culture that came out of the minds of our young people has been weaponized against them. And what I'm talking about is hip-hop culture. And then you have the drug scene. You have marijuana that has been weaponized against us. And we have, in the Nation of Islam, our scholars uh, that deal with that. How do you uh, instruct or guide the children to help them navigate through that particular minefield that's out there? I mean, it's out there. It's on the internet. I mean, they can pick up their smartphone and boom, there it is. It's everywhere. You know, Brother Patrick always say that our children and even us as adults live in a paradox. You know, we speak all this uh, talk. We talk about what it is that we need to be doing, nation building, and then we go out into a world where mm-hmm. <laughs> we, aren't, we don't control anything. And so, you know, that is why people, we really need to understand what it is that we're doing. We really need to understand what we put into our children, we really need to be serious and we really need to take every opportunity that we have to be effective. And so that is one, if Brother Patrick didn't challenge me anywhere else, that was an area he said, you need to be effective. And so with that thought, it goes into everything that I do. How can I use this opportunity to be effective, to really make a difference in what it is that we're doing, how we're doing it. And I want to add, because last month at our Saturday school, we did a Black Career Day. And I asked Black people who are out there putting in the work for nation building to come and speak to our scholars and tell them what it is that they're doing. What is your skill set? Brother Kill was on there. He talked about his mathematics and his passion for it and how we need to use it to nation build. We had a family business owner on there. They talked about the importance of black business so that we can be able to employ our people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a major uh, impediment that we have. We don't have any businesses. We don't control industry. We don't control the employment process. So we need to be thinking about how do we get our people employed. I read somewhere that if black people spent just 10 cents of each dollar at a black business, that would be enough to employ, I forgot, like a million black people. So, you know, being conscious of where we spend our money. We had a sister on who's a school social worker, and the conversation was great because it was a chance for us to challenge her as a school social worker who is very aware of the school-to-prison pipeline to really get in there and be effective. When you're doing your assessments, this is what you need to look for. This is what you need to think about as a school social worker. And then we had, uh, trying to think of who all we had on there, because it was a powerful session. Yes, ma'am. Very powerful session. We had a sister on there who has a butter business with some continents of Africa in Rwanda. And she talked about just her whole process of uh, knowledge itself. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and that it's all—it's a continuum. We're always learning. We're always striving to be better and evolve and to be the, the best people we can be, right? Yes. So ma'am. what we want to do is we want our stylists to see black excellence and how black excellence can work for us and not them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yes, ma'am. Separation. And I was listening to Brother Kiel speak. Um, he was a guest on Dr. Ma's show, and he really made me think about the difference between segregation and separation. Mm-hmm. Segregation is something that was forced upon us. Right, handed down. Is something that we can control. Right. And, and, and so I, I really took that, and that's what I try to do. I'm trying to learn to be effective as possible. Yes, ma'am. And sister, and I'm, I'm glad you're using that language, effective, because unfortunately what happens a lot of times, sister, is a lot of us sometimes are doing a lot of things and in different areas. And I say that to say this about this particular podcast. One of the primary aims and objectives of our podcast, Mississippi on the Move, is called Mississippi on the Move. There are a lot of brothers and sisters doing work in Mississippi. But our desire is to make this platform the meeting place where whoever is struggling for the betterment of our people, I don't care what you call yourself, if you're serious and if you want to be effective, we want your message to get out to the people, you know, because at the end of the day, no one organization can do this by themselves. So it would behoove us to unite in such a way. And I believe this is the kind of platform that we could unite around where people can come and have the freedom to express what it is in terms of the work that they are doing and, uh, and, uh, and how uh, they are affecting the community. What else you want to add to this, sister? Because I'm going to get a Keely because I want him to talk about what you said he talked about. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get you, brother. Yeah, I just want to we'll get you. Um, I appreciate you all coming and doing this podcast because sometimes it's like, what are we doing? Who are we doing it for? And then when you have people come and they like, we want you to speak to us. We want you to yes. talk to the people and let them know what it is you're doing. It's very much appreciated. Yes. Definitely. Tell the people how can they get their child involved in Ashe Academy. Well, they can contact me. Um, my mobile number is 405-361-4751. My email is mslibrarylady40 at gmail.com. And um, social media, I'm on Crystal Denise on all platforms. So, yeah, uh, please, because we need to grow this nation of doers, thinkers, and um we, we got we to gotta build up our nation. Yes, ma'am. As Brother Patrick would say, the day of pontification has long passed. Long passed. <laughs> so at this time, let's give our sister a round of applause. Sister, thank you for coming up here. We're going to get the youth because we want to hear from our young people, and that's a, uh, a variable in this equation that uh, needs to be made a part of the equation where the youth feel like they have a voice. Because too often, we tell the young fella, man, hello, young fella, you don't know nothing about this. But when you listen to them, <laughs> you'll be surprised at what you find. So let's bring to the microphone our brother Akil. Speak to the people, young man. Speak to the people. Power and peace and power and peace. Free the land. Hotel. Assalamu alaikum. Black power forever. Power to the black youth. Miss him on the move. Uh, Brother, I, first introduce yourself to the audience and tell them a little something about yourself and your age in particular. Well, I'm Jahi Ashe Akili. I'm the co-founder and captain of the BYLC Black Youth Leisure Coalition during Vanguard. 
We are the youth branch of the Black Liberation Movement Mississippi, also the sole protection of the Black Liberation Movement. And I'm 23 years old, uh, doing turn 24 next uh, month. So uh, what the BYLC is all about, brother, is all about establishing a, a new mode of black youth, black young leadership to control our communities and our townships in Mississippi. And the GV is, is there to assure the protection of our resources and our community. But it begins with establishing leadership, true young black leadership in our black townships to lead the way and to get things done the right way and be efficient. Yes, uh, young brother. Let me ask you something uh, directly. As you move about uh, with other uh, young men your age, what is the number one concern in your peer group? The number one concern, brother, and, and this uh, plagues my generation so much as I look, it's the lack of knowledge of self. It's the lack of not knowing who we are truly. And we have been uh, influenced by a, a social structure and a so-called culture that we call ourselves, or that we call culture, which is not our true culture and our true nature. It's a culture that was given to us by white supremacy, that embedded in white supremacy, music and art and film. So we had taken uh, that influence, and, and that influence right now, uh, and it's just to be to bring, bring it to modern terms, everybody, uh, every brother is trying to be shysty. You know, everybody trying to be backstabbing or backbiting. And that's not the case no more. And that's and we're not in the business of being shysty. We're trying to be righteous. We're trying to lead in the right path. And lead our generation in the right path. But the main concern, brother, is the lack of knowledge of who we are. Because if we only knew who we are, then we would do better. Yes, sir. Now, I deal with uh, young people a lot uh, dealing with the uh, juvenile correction of, um, facilities and whatnot. And... I find the young men, once they're able to be sat down in an environment and, as you say, taught the knowledge of themselves and given some kind of direction, they are very receptive. Yet, when you look at the perception, especially the mainstream media perception of uh, our young people, particularly young black men, uh, they paint a picture of hopelessness, despair, that... Uh, this generation is a lost cause. They don't want to do anything. We'll be on social media, uh, the word to use, be shysty, and are pretty much born bred criminals. What would you say to offset that particular narrative? Well, the narrative, uh, we got to understand who is, is, is controlling that narrative. We got to also who is controlling that narrative, who is making, who is painting that picture. So these are our enemies that paint us in as thugs or gangsters or you know all the negative side and what to I, I say to combat that there's a lot of young people uh, it may not be um, out in the mainstream but there's, there's a lot of young people that I talk to all the time about the black liberation movement they are concerned they 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 have no hope they always say we have no hope in, the, in our community so it's all about you know we got to be a symbol of hope to give to our young people. Like I said, when you sat them down and taught them the knowledge of self, they began to respond. See, we gotta make the, we gotta create the right environment so we can teach the knowledge of self. So we can change that narrative. Mm -hmm. So it's all it falls on on my generation's shoulders to to find the those who think like myself and move like myself to create a a, a, a sense of hope. Uh, be the gatekeepers. I, I like to call it become the gatekeepers of positivity and unity, and really to combat every level of oppression 
that plays my generation and those in my in the and they working on trying to do that for the next generation, but they not going to see because we we gonna build a foundation. We gonna change the narrative. We not gonna let people say we we not doing nothing. We not uh, understanding. There's those who do understand, but they gotta be surrounded those like minded. That's beautifully uh, put. And I was just thinking back and I was smiling because I remember the first time I met you, you was by yourself, you was asking some questions. The next time I see you, you got about four or five guys with you. <laughs> the next time after that, you uniform, you know, uniform to BYLC, you got a brigade, you're training, you're drilling, and it's just beautiful watching the evolution uh, of yourself. And those are like-minded, but again, um, our young people that are out there, they mm -hmm. don't see that right. particular image. And it is so attractive because uh, young black males in particular, their nature mm -hmm. is militant. Yes, sir. You know, the black man is militant by nature. Mm -hmm. And so in order to take that nature and, and, and for lack of a better term, denature him, they have to dilute it with all of these other things, with drugs, alcohol, this counterculture. But when we see you, even when we came up, guys were loading in water in a big old truck. When I go in, I drop the water off. I, I see nothing but young people, you know. I mean, very young. And you know, one thing is my, my Baba always teaches us, uh, Commander Lumumba always teaches us, that we are not about what's trending. And this is what, you know, is really gonna be um, an issue with this, because we're not trending. This is what the work of liberation is not. It's not a trending on topic. It's not going to be a trending hashtag on social media. So what we do, we put in the work, and that's what we all about. We we all about the work. We're not about the clout. That's what a lot of my generation is all is all about clout, feeling what they doing and and want to be awarded. We the BYOC and the Black Liberation Movement. We don't care about being rewarded. We're going to get rewarded regardless by the ancestors. So. We going have we have to do the work, and the work is not going to be trendy. It's not going to be perfect. Not going to be picture perfect. It's going to be work, and it takes young people like myself to understand that and recognize that work, and that, that said work needs to be done. So we not we not about what's trending. We not about what, what's on what social media or what's so called trending. What's so called it's, it's the culture. We are, as uh, my co-captain Amar Rahim always say, we gotta change the culture. And what the culture gotta be, we gotta make it popularized. Black liberation movement gotta be popularized among our generation. So it takes the BYOC, the Black Youth Leadership Coalition, to bring young eyes, young ears, and young minds to the movement, and let's get to work. And the BYOC is gonna get that done, brother. Yes, sir. One thing I uh, heard you say over and over and over again, the word was work. Yes, sir. You know, not about conversation, it's about work. But brother, before I let you get out of here, if you were sitting at that microphone right now, which you are, and you had a thousand young people uh, listening to you and looking for something to do, uh, what would you say to them? And how could they connect or get in contact with you? Well, if I can speak to the youth, uh, I like I said, I told uh, you know, I'm not gonna keep it fiery. Those who know me, I'm very fiery and very passionate. Uh, when I do speak, so I'm trying to calm myself down. But let me say this too, if I was speaking to uh, my, my generation, that you are powerful and dynamic. That's what the honorable um, minister Louis Farrakhan always talk about to you. We are powerful, dynamic youth. So what we gotta understand that our power is in ourselves. We gotta look inside ourselves. We can't look um, for those to do it for us. We are our saviors. We're not, we're not gonna keep looking in no sky 
and keep going to church and looking for our Savior. We are our Savior. We are our leaders. We are our heroes. So it's, it's time for us to, my generation, to look in it and look in yourself and really think of the job and work that needs to be done and reflect on your ancestors because you are your you are the modern expression of your ancestors. You would not be here standing and breathing if it wasn't for the work and blood and sacrifice of those that came before you. So how would you deny them and deny the work that come with that? So understand the work at hand. You are your ancestors and your ancestors are waiting for you to do what needs to be done. Because if not, we are we gonna fall in a, which we are in, in a cycle of destruction, and what we gotta bring is a cycle of prosperity and righteousness, in in order to lead our communities in the right way. So I tell my young people all the time: look in it, and understand that things don't be. It may seem down, it may seem downtrodden, uh, we were looking some sides of life, but understand we have, after all the stuff they put us through, in this country, and beyond this globe. Black people are still here, mm. and we're still moving. We're still cultivating. Yes, we are damaged. Yes, we are wounded. Yes, we are um, destroyed in some type of fashion, but we're still here, and we're still strong. We're still mighty, and the work's still going to keep mm. going on until, until how you say, the wheels fall off. And even <laughs> till then, when the wheels fall off, we hear like the Flintstones, we push it forward. So I say to my, the black youth, that time is, has come for our destiny and our purpose. So it's time for us to do the work and lead by example. Yes, sir. Man, look, I got to give that a round of applause because I'm sitting here drinking it in, listening to our young brother. And uh, Brother Akili, man, I just want to say thank you for what you do. I'm going to tell you what I always tell you when I see you. I want you to tell us. What do I tell you when I always see you? What I tell you? Brother Manster, you give a general order and say, stay with your Bible. Stay with Commander Lumumba. But I always tell you, I was, you have my word. Don't you leave the Black Panther of the Delta, man. You hear me? Yes, sir. Because it happens so often to those who struggle. Their comrades get stripped from around them. Yes, sir. So you stay with that, brother, man, all right? Yes, sir. Like I said, all right, right brothers and sisters, let's give them another round of applause. Thank you. Brother Akili, that's the youth. That is our young man, young people speaking. And we would like to get about 10,000 uh, fearless black men and women throughout the state of Mississippi uh, to get involved. It doesn't matter what organization, as long as it's one that's struggling to do something good and to improve the current condition, circumstances, and life outcomes of our people. Now I gotta bring back to this microphone, Brother Akil Parker, because just, we just got a little piece of you on the front end and we're starting to wind down here on this episode, uh, unless Brother Lumumba got someone else he wants to share some thoughts. But Sister Crystal was mentioning something that I can't remember what it was that you said, Sister, he was on, yes. Yes, sir. Please share that with us, brother, because, see, this is a math man, and, and these are important people. Yeah, so histomatics is, I guess, generally speaking, it's a way to teach history through the use of mathematics and simultaneously to teach mathematics through the use of history. So it's a way to kind of, like, you know, break down those barriers, like how, how we have in traditional schooling, 
where like, you know, you go into this one room and talk about this one subject and leave that room, go to another room, talk about another subject. So it's a way to really like make math, especially make math more relevant, you know, to the young people and to everybody around by using, you know, localized history and, you know, trying to, you know, do quantitative analysis on, you know, local history. And so I did a presentation today about, about histematics, kind of one aspect of histematics and I was featuring this, um, or focusing in on this uh, interview that Kwame Torre did in 1986, where he was talking about some of his prior experience with working with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee in the 1960s and the work they were doing in Mississippi. So I thought it was really, really relevant because it was about work that you know he did in Mississippi as well. Mm -hmm. And um, you know I was kind of li listening when I was li originally listening to the interview. You know, looking at it, you know, through the lens of a mathematician, you know, I'm seeing like the things that he's describing. I'm looking at it. I'm 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 seeing like algebra lessons that I that I teach on a regular basis, and you know, systems of equations and how to solve a system of equations. All these things that are very typical and very, you know, um, you know, innate to like algebra courses and geometry courses, and you know, and I, I started thinking. I said, well, you know, if we could, while we're teaching these math courses have these conversations about these, about these historical act facts and these historical you know, um, activities that took place in order to give context and also to provide a conceptual understanding for young people, then what would happen is they would have more of an appreciation for mathematics and at the same time have more of an appreciation for the history. And actually just before even that, they would just know the history because we encounter a lot of young people that just don't know their own history. Mm -hmm. And it's not their fault, it's that they're not being taught their history. I don't think there's any coincidence or, or accident about that. I think there's a, you know, a reason why, because you know, you can't, if you know your history, then you'll know where you're going. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I like to talk about mathematics a lot, uh, well, generally, but especially here with the Black Liberation Movement, because I see mathematics as a tool of liberation. And I think that you know, if you really are serious about like independent nation building, then mathematics becomes very relevant. And I think that a lot, for a lot of people, independent nation building is not relevant because they're kind of content based on their own socialization process mm -hmm. to just kind of find a comfortable space on the plantation. <laughs> so if you're just trying to do that, then <laughs> it could be argued that no, you really don't need mathematics mm -hmm. because you don't need mathematics in order to get that comfortable space on the plantation and kind of just do what you're told. Mm -hmm. But when we get to the point where you're like, okay, no, we, we realize that we can't live under the control of Europeans because we see what they have done for the past 500 years and we can anticipate what they will do for the next 500 years under their control. Mm -hmm. So we need to start figuring out ways to control our own destiny, control our own space, our own land, our own resources. So now the mathematics becomes a lot more relevant because you got to do what they've been doing. Like, you know, if you need Wi-Fi, you got to figure out how we're going to get Wi-Fi, mm -hmm. how we're going to get clean water, how we're going to get electricity, how we're going to get natural gas. You know, all these different types of things. How are we going to build vehicles, have car companies and things of that nature? So that's when the math really becomes even more relevant. And just to, like, have young people start thinking that way, then it's like, okay, now I really do want to learn algebra because mm -hmm. I see the relevancy of it. And one of the things I talk about with within the histematics concept is while math is being taught, creating math word problems that are relevant, you know, mm -hmm. that, are, that include history as a way to also teach culture and teach history as well, because, I mean, that's what other groups do anyway. I mean, mm -hmm. um, if you think about the SAT exam, and there might be a question about George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, mm -hmm. but it's in the math section of the SAT, mm -hmm. you know, so you gotta do some type of quantitative analysis, but really what they're trying to do is, 
kind of hit you with that cultural violence, mm-hmm. you know, reinforce that idea of the greatness of George Washington, the greatness yeah. of Thomas Jefferson, and not highlight the fact that they were slaveholders, mm-hmm. not highlight the fact that they were rapists. You know, they don't want to Always convenient to leave that out. Right, exactly. <laughs> always conveniently. And, and with the African Center perspective, like, that's what's more important to me. Like, the fact that they were presidents is secondary or mm-hmm. even tertiary. But we can use mathematics to even tell those stories because that's what math is. Like, every mm-hmm. math problem is a story. Mm-hmm. So in my, in my own career and in my own experience, I've improved over the years by becoming more of a storyteller mm-hmm. in, math, in math classes. Whereas in early on, I was more like, more like uh, kind of dry, mm-hmm. you know, strictly X's and Y's and equations and mm-hmm. the technical aspects. But now I try to really like tell the story of mathematics and mm-hmm. what's happening in each individual problem, you know, so mm-hmm. the young people kind of understand it conceptually. Because that's yes. what's really lacking, mm-hmm. that conceptual understanding. Yes, sir. You made me think about the, uh, the law of cause and effect. If the effect is real, then the cause is real. Mm. There's no real effect in the world without a real cause. And mathematically speaking, this action plus this action divided by, and that's a mathematical thing that produces the effect. And to me, that's how I also think about it mathematically. And then also you made me think about when we talk about uh, 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 work, you know, the equation force times distance. In physics. It's in physics. Right, right. It's work. And I hear black people say, we've come a long way, Hmm. Hmm. you know, and there's been some work, Mm -hmm. but I always, uh, I see that as though like a train, if we got a train with boxcars and the caboose is hanging off the cliff, and let's say black people, the caboose, and the engine realizes it's in trouble, so it pulls forward, and as it pulls forward, it lifts the the caboose off of the cliff. Well, the people in the caboose are very, very happy, I would imagine. And they said, we're moving forward. Mm. But they are still in the same relative position relative to the engine. The engine is still in the front. The caboose is still in the back. And if they run across some more trouble, you know, the caboose, you know, if the engine go down, the caboose automatically goes down. But if the caboose get trapped, the engine probably can compress on without the caboose. But that's just how I see that. We had Commander Lumumba to rejoin this conversation. I'm always, you know, chomping at the bit to hear what's on this brother's mind and to to see where he's at. Because, I mean, I just like being around brothers and sisters that are thinking, man, because I need to be fed because I am a student of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And uh, we are a results-driven. We want progress. You know, we want results. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is perhaps one of the most, in my mind, has been the most effective voice among us. And the work of his teacher and his work is demonstrative of the fact that the mathematics of Islam is a very, very viable solution. But of course, there are others working around us because the Honorable Louis Farrakhan talks about the pantheon of black leadership. And he tells us in the nation to always pay homage to those brothers and sisters, particularly in the nationalist community that struggle. The Honorable Marcus Mosiah Garvey, he tells us to use the word honorable when we're talking about these brothers. The Honorable Noble Drew Ali and others that have struggled. But Brother Lumumba, man, you've rejoined the conversation. We got Brother Akil here talking about it mathematically, which makes sense. Because if you are not in a building mode, I know you don't need math. 
Mm. You know, but when you are awakened to your responsibility to build your own community, as the Honorable Louis Farrakhan has said to us, then mathematics is absolutely essential. Brother Lumumba, what's on your mind, sir? Well, that's exactly what's on my mind. <laughs> uh, Building. Yeah. I, that was a no-brainer. I don't even know why I asked yeah. it. Progress. But, but, <laughs> but, the, but the thing is, Brother Akil uh, expresses a different level mm -hmm. of it. And that's what I wanted to point out, you mm -hmm. know, to those listening and even to us sitting here and yes, even sir. to Akil. Because I think uh, the brother got a superpower. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He got a superpower in his keen understanding of mathematics. Mm -hmm. And see, I want to put it, I want to couch it in a context that we probably don't even think about. You know, when you pursuing something as uh, noble and as uh, uh, grand as liberation, mm -hmm. you know, most of us in, in my journey, when I see and I talk about and propagate liberation to our people, it's a concept. You know, it's, it's some grand idea of black people overcoming the oppression of white people. And that's too uh, much of a thing to actually practically advocate. Mm -hmm. But see, what a man like Akil does, he does the mathematical calculation of that. Mm -hmm. So it don't become some grand idea that probably won't get ascertained or, or, or done. Mm -hmm. It becomes an equation. Mm -hmm. It says, well, if we do this, you know, based on what they've done, mm -hmm. then we should be up a bit. Mm -hmm. And if we could continue to do that, you know, based on what they probably do and what they won't do, then we probably can continue to win. Mm -hmm. So everything becomes a mathematical equation, and he helped me understand that better. Mm -hmm. You know, and when you listen to Akil, listen to his demeanor. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not me. You know, and uh, what I'm trying to do is excite people to do something. Mm -hmm. He already figured it out in his head, so he's more calm and assertive mm -hmm. about what it is that he's talking about, so his approach is different. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that's powerful to me. Mm -hmm. And the brother comes up with concepts, and you know, that's what the Black Liberation Movement is all about, is, is connecting with those brothers and sisters that had these superpowers that's able to, that we're able to galvanize to make sure that we get the things done that we need in all these areas that we need it in, because Sister Crystal always say, you know, liberation don't happen in one instance. Mm -hmm. You ain't gonna just be economic without being educated. That's right. You know, you ain't gonna just be educated and economic and not have a politic mm -hmm. that back all that up. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's a whole system, mm -hmm. you know, a cultural civics that yes, come sir. together. And I think his math make everything make sense in a calm and assertive way. So it kind of brings me down and even kills even me. Mm -hmm. you know, to understand the mathematical side of it. Mm -hmm. And one more thing I want to glean from this brother. Yes, sir. Uh, he made me think about something. And I think about the uh, mindset that our youth is in. Our mindset is uh, we, we basically have adopted a mindset. Brother uh, 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 Jahi made me think about our youth are basically consumer capitalists, mm -hmm. you know, in a trending society. Mm -hmm. We are consumer capitalist. So how do you get the attention uh, of consumer capitalists as it pertained to what Jahi was saying, uh, knowledge of self? Mm -hmm. You know, so we had to start to take them back through a, a, a course of history. And this brother made me understand something. He said, why don't we quantify slavery? Mm. And I thought about that. How could we appeal to our children how these uh, white people mm -hmm. have gained so much power and make it relevant to them, not to 
engage in the continued action of consumer capitalism that with that that continues to empower our oppressors. Yeah. So mm -hmm. if we would teach them the quantification of the chattel slavery process mm -hmm. that your ancestors endured, maybe then they wouldn't be so compelled to continue to empower economically our oppressors. Mm -hmm. Quantify slavery. Yeah. How much was your ancestor worth? Mm -hmm. How much cotton did your ancestor pick to make massa rich so they can make you poor and more disenfranchised? Yes, now think about teaching that to a child and what do they glean from that? Mm -hmm. So it's just brothers like Akil, and even my brother sitting here, Dennis Mitchell, mm -hmm. you know, that I met. He come down for, to the last summit, and he told me, brother, I want to be down at this summit. Oh, but okay. he's a mathematician, too. Oh, he okay. runs algorithms all the time in his mind. Sometimes we ain't come say he frustrate the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about Dennis, get it out. Uh -huh. I, don't, I don't understand it. Get it out. He said, well, you, uh, you got to just understand, Patrick, you know, the algorithm of this right here. I'm like, man, God. <laughs> you just got to get it, brother. Yeah. So, That's you know, I'm just happy to have these type brothers, you know uh -huh. what I'm saying, around because they make it make sense. Mm -hmm. You know, how are we going to intrigue uh, young black people on civic development? How do you mm -hmm. build a bridge? Mm -hmm. Do you want to build a black township? Mm -hmm. How are we going to make them interested in that when, like we said, and Brother Akil was uh, explaining, we trending. Mm -hmm. Well, who's trending us? Mm. Are we determining the trend? Are we going to wake up tomorrow and determine what the hashtag going to be? Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yes, so sir. that's what I'm saying. You know, right. we got to create our own algorithms and our own sense of purpose. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. And that's, again, that's the aim and purpose. We want to set the trend that's right. starting in Mississippi. We can't be a big news production. But like I said earlier, brother, our desire is to start with this little humble podcast. Hmm. And like a snowball, you know, when you make a snowball and roll it down a, a snow drift, that joker pick up mass. Hmm. And there's a scriptural reference to that. But there, all of this ties in. We, we have spiritual. We have practical. And as I was saying earlier when I was talking to a sister, uh, that if our spiritual experience over our religion, let's put it that way, does not speak to our power needs, our political needs, our economic needs, our cultural needs, and we need to get rid of that religion. No and I think one of the problems is we have not been able to effectively, effectively in mass, marry the sacred texts that we read and study, and we call that activity religion. We have not effectively married that essential part to the practical application, and I hear you use the term pragmatic nationalism. When the two are married together, that's when world and nation building increases exponentially because you have to have a moral consciousness in the people and a spiritual consciousness in the people that ain't necessarily a, a particular faith label, but some spiritual consciousness to go along with what we're doing. Brother Akil. So to, to carry on and add on to what, um, what Brother Patrick was saying, and also in my presentation, one of the things I highlighted, because it was, in a, in a part, it was a tribute to Kwame Torre, mm -hmm. um, that the ancestor. And one of the things he said in 1968 in his Black United Front speech, which was, um, it was like a fundraiser slash, like it was a rally for Huey P. Newton when the Oakland police attempted to assassinate him, and he defended himself, and they did, they weren't, they weren't successful at assassinating him, but um, one of the things he said, he said a lot of things in that speech, but he said, um, every Negro is a potential black man. Mm. And that mm. always resonated mm. with me. 
So mm. what I find is, and I started to think about that in mm. terms of a lot of our black professionals, no Patrick hates that term professional, but mm. uh, <laughs> so that's why I'm being intentional in using it because I'm addressing the people that he takes a lot, takes issue with, which he should. Um, a lot of our people have, are brilliant people, mm-hmm. you know, they're in the STEM fields and into computer science, medicine, mathematics, engineering, but they lack a political grounding and a political understanding, a political orientation, as well as a cultural orientation that would make them want to use their skills for their own people and participate in some type of nation building, or at least not even if it's not independent nation building, but it's like, I want to use my skills to build up my community instead of trying to use my skills as a passport out of my community. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to do, one of my major initiatives is like, okay, while we're teaching young people algebra, geometry, elementary mathematics, that that political awareness and that cultural awareness has to be interweaved within it. Mm-hmm. So that way while they be while they're excelling at these skills, you know, they're also learning about their history, they're learning about their heritage and learning about their culture. Because oftentimes what mathematics ends up being used at is a like a you know, like I mentioned, like a passport and like a way to be, you know, for a black person um, as a means as a vehicle to be seen as like an honorary white person. Because, <laughs> you, see, how, because hmm. you see mathematics as hmm. um, the exclusive domain of white people. Mm-hmm. All the textbooks have white people and all the formulas and are named after Europeans, mm-hmm. right? Because, right. you know, because they control the media. It's not that we didn't do mathematics, but, you know, with this particular point in history, um, the media is controlled by them, so they're able to say, okay, well, laws of physics, you know, mm-hmm. named after Newton. <laughs> Newton can't discover those laws of physics. Any no human beings discover that, you know, discovered it. But if you name it, then you're given credit for it, mm-hmm. right? So it's a way for you to feel, make, make you feel like, okay, well, even if I either don't excel at mathematics, and then I'm, I'm losing out. Mm-hmm. But it can be equally as harmful, if not more harmful, if you do excel at mathematics. But then culturally speaking, you feel like, okay, well, I'm good at mathematics, so that means I'm not black. Because mm-hmm. black people don't do mathematics. Mm-hmm. So then that creates a whole other psychological issue for yourself. Mm-hmm. If you can't really address that properly, then you end up becoming weaponized against your own people. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to do by like, the way I'm trying to teach is, I'm trying to have young people avoid that. And if they are experiencing it, we have an explicit conversation about that to let them know like, no, this is not, this is mm-hmm. not what you should do. You should learn the mathematics, but understand your ancestors developed this. Exactly. So we go back to ancient Kemet and we mm-hmm. talk about comedic multiplication and you know, we can learn the different methods of multiplication as well, but mm-hmm. know that mathematics is indigenous mm-hmm. to your people, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so then hopefully as they get older, you know, when they meet somebody like Brother Patrick mm-hmm. and, you know, they, he asked them about, you know, how did, if they're an engineering major at a local college, they say, well, how do you feel about using your skills to, you know, you're a civil engineer, you mm-hmm. study civil engineering. How do you feel about developing an all-black town? So they'll never ask the question, like, well, why would I want to do that? Mm-hmm. Question will like, never come up. It's almost like a rhetorical question right. when he asked that question. It's like, okay, when, then they respond by saying, well, when should we start? Mm-hmm. What should we do first? Right. You know, what do you have in mind? Let's talk mm-hmm. more about that. Because yes, I've been thinking about that, too. Because their foundation, while they were learning the quadratic formula, while they were learning geometry, they were learning about their ancestors. They were learning about white supremacy theory. Mm-hmm. They were learning about the need to do that, mm-hmm. the need to create their own spaces, mm-hmm. the need to be able to, you know, be nationalistic in their thinking mm-hmm. at the same time. So they weren't just like, all right, you know, yeah, we're going to teach them math, but teach them math as a way to promote neo-colonialism. Mm-hmm. 
and that's why you know they'll let us go to their schools. Yeah. Some of us, they'll pick out some of us and say, okay, we're gonna let you go to the quote unquote good good school, the good mm-hmm. clean school with the you, you can get a r- academic rigor and you know mm-hmm. get intellectually challenged, but at the price you pay for that is mm-hmm. you know we're gonna we're gonna brainwash you, mm-hmm. we're gonna weaponize you against your people, mm-hmm. you know. So it's almost like if you go into that space, you know they'll be. Um, Almost like the spook that sat by the door. Yes, sir. They'll be like, you know, they understand it behind enemy lines, and this, this guerrilla warfare. Exactly. You know, so mm-hmm. like I'm here to learn. I'm here to learn. I'm here to I'm learn. I learn the math. Yeah. And I learn all that, but taking I, it back. I already, I already know. Yeah, I'm bringing it back to my people. Yeah. You know, you're not going. You're not going to program me to like, you know, you know, weaponize against my people. You know, mm-hmm. and be like a spy. I'm like, I'm, I might be a spy, but I'm a spy and learning what y'all know. Right. So I bring that back to my people too, so I know mm-hmm. how to compete better with y'all. Cause I was, yes, sir. I was with y'all, and y'all thought we was cool. Right. You know, brother, you made me think. As we get ready to land this plane, we, we we've done some due diligence here tonight, and I thank all of you for coming before these microphones. Reminds me of back in the day when they say everything that was made in China was junk, and in Asian com- countries in Taiwan. And I can remember, brother, as a young man, them being here with their cameras. They were taking pictures of everything. And they went back to their country, and they unraveled, and now we're buying their cars, <laughs> you know. And the thing of it is, uh, one of the things that I say, and I'm glad you put it mathematically, because as I said earlier, we're taught that Islam is mathematics. And when you study it at depth, you see cause and effect, as we mentioned earlier. One thing I say to young people all the time, I ask them this simple question. Would you give a man a stick to beat you with it? Mm. And of course, the answer to that is no. I would not do that. Well, mathematically speaking, if speaking economically, numbers in terms of economics, if we are not building anything and providing goods and services for ourselves, and we are giving all of our economic strength to somebody else, what do they do with it? They build their society at our expense. And furthermore, those big institutions, they support presidential, senatorial, gubernatorial candidates with our dollars that legislate against us. Yeah, yeah. So we are indirectly funding our own enslavement. No doubt. And <laughs> uh, let me get in here right there. I know we finna shut it down, but ahead, I really want to help us draw from this conversation. Yes, sir. You know, in this every superhero that's around this table that's uh, aiding to the causation of the black liberation right now in conversation, effective conversation. Uh, brother Kill made me think of something uh, from a historical standpoint. It was a brother that worked along with Kwame Toure uh, during that time. His name was Charles E. Cobb. He wrote a book called That Nonviolent Stuff Will Get You Killed. Okay, and what I'm saying about that is that there was a brother in this book right here, uh, we were shooting back, named Hartman Tur- Turnbow. He had a conversation with, uh, this is your book, brother. Okay, thank you. He had a conversation with Martin Luther King. And Martin Luther King came down to see what the thing is, is that when uh, people like Kwame came, came to Mississippi, it was already leaders in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. We just weren't popular. <laughs> we just weren't uh, nationally known. We had Amzie Moore. You know, mm-hmm. we had uh, E.W. Steptoe, you know what I'm saying? These were unsung heroes that taught uh, the ones who came in, like Kwame, the intellectuals who came in, they taught them the way of the land and how things were in Mississippi. So Charles E. Cobb came down with 
Kwame Toure to do work in Mississippi. They were on their way to Texas. Mm. And uh, uh, one of these strong brothers in organizing and Charles E. Cobb stopping through Jackson, Mississippi, headed to Texas to do civil rights work. He said, why are you going there when the war is right here in Mississippi? Mm-hmm. And uh, this way he gleaned this um, idea that nonviolent stuff will get you killed from E.W., uh, not E.W. Steptoe, but Hartman Turnbow, who basically told Martin Luther King, he said, Martin, you know, that nonviolent stuff don't work. It'll get you killed. Mm-hmm. So he took the don't work part out of it and just wrote the book, This Nonviolent Stuff Will Get You Killed. And what I'm simply saying is that <clears throat> not just being nonviolent in defense of your life, Mm-hmm. But we have to take a violent approach to education, mm-hmm. okay? We got to be violent about that be because, because <laughs> critical race theory and what they're doing, that's a violent attack in education. They're doing violence to the scholarship of our scholars. That's violence. That's violence. That's right. educational violence. Psychological violence, man. So, you know, I had a conversation with a young lady this morning. She said, you angry. <laughs> she said, you triggered. I said... I said, listen, I said, so if your son out there in the street getting beat by the police, I shouldn't get angry about that? Mm. I just listened to see how, what her response going to be. And I saw her get confused. She said, no, nah, you deflecting right now. I said, no, nah, I ain't deflecting. Mm. I said, I'm not deflecting. I'm being real. She's using the education. I'm being real. She said, well, <laughs> you, you know, you got you to gotta make, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, but uh, what she said, she said, well, uh, you got anger in you. And you letting people trigger it. I said, so if somebody was beating your son out there and I don't get angry about that, who's going to do something about it? Mm. Okay. She said, well, still deflecting. Don't even know that I'm actually working toward her own cause, Mm -hmm. you know, toward her own benefit, but wanting to defeat me in a conversation. So she said, "Uh, babies don't get angry. I said, don't feed them. (laughs) (laughs) She said, babies don't get angry. I said, don't feed them. What is that? So only thing I'm saying is that that nonviolent stuff will get us killed. Yes, sir. You know, uh, not being militant, mm-hmm. or what they call militant, or not being radical. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Ja, he teaches me all the time. Mm-hmm. He said, radical ain't radical. That's their definition of what that's black what people are. That's what their definition is. We being rational. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's what I wanted to glean, you know, from the, the historical con- context. You know, we have to be violent to maintain ourselves. And not only violence is for protecting ourselves, but violence in the areas of battle. Yes, sir. And education is one of them. Beautiful, beautiful. Brothers and sisters, you've been listening to an extended version today of the Mississippi on the Move podcast. I am your brother, Abdul Shaheed Muhammad, along with this cadre of brothers and sisters that have put their minds to these microphones and shared a wealth of information. We certainly thank all of you who are on for tuning in. And I'm not going to let us get away without giving us the cultural segment. We give a cultural segment on here. And the artists are our artists. This is Brother Hashim Hakim of the Nation of Islam, and he just dropped a hip-hop track called The Ghost of Emmett Till. Akili, you may want to come check this out. I'll give you my headphones, son. This one is entitled The Ghost of Emmett Till. Y'all check this out. people on this earth, the only people on this earth, brother, 
of Islam. Brothers and sisters, that's going to do it tonight for this edition of the Mississippi on the Move podcast. We're going to get out of here for the day and we'd like to thank all of you for tuning in. So we're going to leave you as we came before you with the greeting words of peace. We say it, Assalam alaikum. Mississippi on the
windows grow in the soil stained by the blood of my ancestors. Punch bold voices call out to my soul for justice. The wicked will reap what they've sown. Spirit of Aziz is back on the rise. Soldiers in the Delta kept it alive. Time to stand up, take our place in the sun. Understand the time and what must be done. Here the Jews don't like Farrakhan, so they call me Hitler. Well, that's a good name. Hitler was a very great man. Have something we can call our own. So shine your light. He wasn't great for me as a black person, but he was a great judge. And he rose Germany up from the ashes of her defeat. Elijah's got the master Mississippi on the move. Mississippi. 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 Injustice, we've had enough. All of our divisions, we're breaking up. Destiny has been calling us. The spirit of the Most High is guiding us. Uh, see, the time is now. What you waiting on? Quit shooting your brothers. Put your gun down. Come on. They got a cage waiting for you if you keep that up. Early graves coming to you. From that, can't raise you up. Now, Sister Ida B and Fanny Lou, check them out and you'll know what to do. But if you really want your enemy to be alarmed, read the final call. Follow Farrakhan. Mississippi on the move. Mississippi. 